This is LaQuest, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. Hi, everyone. I'm Shoshana Levy. And I'm Andy Domic, and you're listening to Look West. What are we talking about today, Shoshana? Well, we are going to be talking about human rights in California. In terms of policy, California has broken a lot of new ground. Um, you know, the 1959 Unruh Civil Rights Act that eventually paved the way for the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964. We were one of the first states to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples and farm worker overtime. That was a big deal just a couple of years ago, but we're not perfect. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Which is why we sat down with Majority Leader Eloise Gomez-Reyes, who introduced Assembly Bill 412 last year that would have created the California Commission on Human Rights, uh, tasked with overseeing the status of human rights violations in California. And I really enjoy hearing her commitment and passion to this important issue. Uh, especially by sharing with us her own story. So let's start off about just a little bit about yourself and how that ties into why you've become passionate about advancing human rights in California. Well, I I suppose what describes me best is that I'm the daughter of immigrants. And I, I grew up in a very traditional Mexican home in on the south side of the tracks and uh, in a predominantly Latino community. I grew up picking onions and grapes as a child uh, into my my early teen years. And now I am an assembly member and the majority leader of the California State Assembly. How do you see the issue of human rights in California as it stands now? Give us a snapshot of what it looks like today. I think that Human rights, although we recognize the importance of them and we recognize that California has been a leader in protecting human rights, we work in silos and there isn't one organization that really is charged with receiving information about human rights violations. There isn't one organization that people know to look to when they have issues with human rights and human rights violations. and I think that is where California is now. How about historically? Where, how are we now versus how we were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Well, we do have to recognize that in California, we have made great, great strides, especially in recent years, to protect and to promote human rights. Uh, we've made our state a sanctuary state recently for our undocumented immigrants. We also respect and acknowledge reproductive rights. So much so that most recently we see that Texas is going to be looking to California for many protections there. Um, We've also passed police accountability measures. And and these are just a few, but we don't have to look too far back to see that as a state, we've not always been champions of human rights. Uh, In 1994, we all remember California voters passed Prop 187, and this prohibited undocumented people from accessing basic services. After 9-11, that's another time in our history where I'm not very proud of it. Our Muslim community had to deal with the discriminatory practices and the policies that related to surveillance uh, and policing of our Muslim community. Um, Not too long ago, Prop 8 
banned same-sex marriage in California. And it, that was just passed in 2008. So these are some of the things And now most recently our API community suffered discrimination related to COVID because of the presumed origin of it. Anti-Semitic sentiments have grown over the last five years. These are just some of the examples. But I, I also want us to recognize the advancements that we've made in conjunction with our historical shortfalls. Being able to see both sides of the picture allows us to see how far we've come, but also how far we still need to go. Just bridging off of your um, amazing story coming from your background and then getting to where you are today, do you have any maybe personal experiences or stories that really motivate you to think about improving human rights in California and how may have a, a commission at that time might have might have served you? Uh, I think Shoshana, what's important is that although in my life I didn't experience as much, I certainly did witness it in my parents' uh, lives. I, I saw the way my father was treated. Uh, he had a sixth grade education, but certainly knew a whole lot more about building um, construction. And yet he was not given the opportunities that he should have been given to the point that he became a, an owner builder and built his own homes and then sold them. Uh, my mother, the same thing. My mother has a third grade education and also an immigrant from Mexico. And without a doubt, the fact that she didn't speak English um, was something that was used against her on, on many occasions. And I witnessed it um, to be excluded at a time when you should not be excluded. And there was no, no organization, nobody that she would ever have called on to help her with that. Aside from even being a witness, the children of those families, their living conditions are impacted if their rights aren't recognized and their parents aren't able to make living wages, for instance, when the, even though they have very valuable skills that our state and system rely on. So that's an absolutely valuable story. If I may add also, uh, when I was in junior high, I think is when I witnessed, witnessed something that I know affected me to the point that that is why I became an attorney is that they had sought out an attorney who spoke Spanish. There were very few of them um, on a real estate issue. And it was clear that their rights were not protected. And that was a human rights violation that there is no way that could ever be recovered, could ever have been protected to the, uh, because there was nobody to protect that. Mm -hmm. And the discrimination was because of the fact that they could not read English as they would have needed to. So. We're wondering if there were other commissions this bill was modeled on. There are other entities um, that we're modeling it um, after. In San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City, um, they all have local commissions and they've done incredible work and they have been identifying key issues. Washington State is the only example of a statewide commission. In terms of work they've done, uh, I, I will tell you that just a few years back, Senator Holly Mitchell introduced the Crown Act, uh, which combated hair discrimination in the workplace. It was initially identified as a problem within the New York Commission and quickly became legislation in the state of California and in other places ac across the country. In San Francisco, key work surrounding racial equity 
has been a focus as well. Other cities and state commissions do address human rights issues generally. Their focus is narrower than what we had in mind. Uh, they often have multiple roles related to investigating civil rights abuses, implementing regulatory structures, and also giving recommendations on human rights issues. The commission that we're proposing under, or that we proposed under AB 412, would have reviewed the status of human rights across the state. Uh, also, they would have worked with existing entities to cover gaps in communities and provide necessary policy recommendations for the state to consider to uplift the very communities that are impacted by this and their respective rights. There's currently no entity um, looking at the overarching issue of human rights. This would make California's Human Rights Commission distinct from other commissions. The closest would be the state of Washington. Do you think you'll reintroduce a bill like this or modify something like this? I mean, obviously, this is extremely, you're extremely passionate about it. Um, and I don't see you uh, not taking some sort of action on it, on something. What, what are your plans? Without a doubt, the plan is to reintroduce it. Uh, the fact that it made it through both houses uh, and onto the governor's desk, I think, pr provides the imp impetus we would need to, to reintroduce it. Uh, my colleagues do agree, did agree, uh, the, the, regarding the need to have a Human Rights Commission. So how would the commission, how would it work? Would it propose laws? Would it, would it be a census of how, everything, how the state is doing and then make recommendations? Well, the California Commission on Human Rights was meant to work in conjunction with existing entities to ensure the human rights of all Californians. Uh, to make sure that they were protected. Because the commission would have appointees from various sectors, including community members, the commission would then bring a unique perspective when working with others. We wanted to make sure that we were addressing any existing gaps that, so that we don't leave anyone behind. Uh, this why, that's why we made the commission broad so that we were able to get as many perspectives as possible. Uh, there isn't always a dedicated government organization for every group. There are some groups that do have a dedicated organization, but not all of them. Um, so we do, do know that many other groups that don't have a specific government organization uh, assigned to them, we know that many of those groups are impacted by structural inequalities in a different way. It's one thing that comes to mind is this pandemic. It's a great example of how different community groups are have been impacted differently. When the stay-at-home orders were given and the state went into lockdown, not everyone faced the same challenges. We know that black and brown communities felt the economic sting of the pandemic in a different way compared to other ethnic groups. And in the early days of the pandemic, COVID-19 was disproportionately killing black Americans and Latinos because they were more likely to be essential workers and work in forward-facing jobs. Our Asian American brothers and sisters faced a wave of discrimination simply because the virus originated in Asia. We know all this because we've had advocates from the communities ring the alarm and bring these issues to the spotlight. Uh, I think that a community-centered approach would guide the commission and allow them to address the issues, especially from the different groups, because the community would be able to highlight what issues 
they are facing on a daily basis. And the commission would be tasked with holistically analyzing how all these different groups are impacted by certain phenomena and then make recommendations on how to intersectionally address the problem. That's a wonderful description of, the, of the, what the commission is, would look like. Let's talk a little bit more about the scope of the problem in California, if you don't mind. Where are we falling behind? I think if we, if we look at the various groups, if we look at the Latinos, we look at African-Americans, we look at Asians, we look at our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Muslims, we fail with each particular one in different ways. And having the members from those communities be part of the commission is going to provide the basis for policy changes and policy recommendations. In the Latino community, for instance, much of it has to do with immigration. Um, much of it has to do with being those frontline workers. Much of it has to do with uh, policies having to do with air quality and the fact that many in the Latino community, especially the lower socioeconomic group of the Latino community, when they are so impacted by poor air quality and then to have additional burdens placed upon them. African-American community, the same thing, but more specifically having to do with policing and um, criminal justice reform that would be needed there. In our Muslim community, community we had the best examples just after 9-11 and what those communities suffered, but there was no central place for them to voice those concern, concerns to help California come up with the best policies. Uh, it, our Jewish Americans are, are suffering, especially in the last five years, we've seen the great increase in uh, anti-Semitic sentiments against our Jewish brothers and sisters. And as I mentioned earlier, having to do with our API community, the hate crimes against the API community have been devastating. Um, we have a number of our LGBTQ community members who are Latino, for instance. And they have to deal with not only the, the issues of uh, the, the discrimination or the, the, the violation of the human rights as Latinos, but also as members of the LGBTQ community. And it's this intersectionality that we have to be concerned with. That is part of the human rights that we want to protect. And we want to find those policy, th those those thought leaders that can be part of the commission to provide that insight and that input that would be necessary to make recommendations for policy. So another feature of this commission is that it would be sort of independent from uh, maybe the rest of the government and from agencies. Could you talk a little bit about why that's important? It's very important. I think that the, the only, agency that comes close would be the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Um, the Human, Human Rights Commission being independent would then be able to provide, to, to bring in the experts first of all, and then provide the input to policymakers on what needs to be done to address the, the inequities or the human rights violations but having them independent was extremely important. Having the, the appointees be from the governor's office, from the speaker's office, from the pro tem's office, where they've already identified leaders and thought leaders um, who can provide the information is extremely important. 
as we're heading out here. Could give us any closing thoughts on the subject of human rights and the commission. I think as we look at the, the, the goals of the commission, what we want is the Human Rights Commission to provide solutions. And we want the solutions to come from the community and we want them to be for the community so that the people can live their lives with dignity and respect. Protecting human rights is the goal of this and it's accomplished through a series of steps. First, we need to establish a commission of community thought leaders and experts that can speak to the issues affecting human rights. The second part is to approach legacies of discrimination in an honest, comprehensive and solution oriented manner. The third thing that I'd like the commission to do is to aid in the advancement of quality of life by ensuring the human rights of all Californians are met. And the fourth thing is to address systemic issues such as the lack of access to quality health care in rural areas, disproportionate impact of air pollution in low income communities, and other gaps in the system to illustrate the need that is present. Ultimately, the goal of the commission would be to uplift the most marginalized to ensure California can continue to lead the way on human rights and to promote intersectional policy solutions to ensure the quality, the high quality of life for all. This has been a strong value for California. We want the Human Rights Commission to continue in that legacy. Thank you to Majority Leader Reyes for your insights on the importance of establishing a commission on human rights in California. This episode is in honor of National Human Rights Month. Thank you for listening. I'm Andy Domic with my colleague Shoshana Levy. You're listening to Look West. The Look West podcast is produced by the California Assembly Democrats. When you think of Californian politics, remember to look west. <laughs>